Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 110. We're your hosts, I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. What's up, girls? What's going on? Hello. Hello. What is oh, going what's, on? What's what's going on is that I freaking psyched myself uh uh out because I thought my spring break started today. It does not start today. It starts oh. next week. And oh. I was just like oh, that means I have to turn in all this homework once again before you, spring break. Oh man. Mm-hmm. That you did or didn't do because you thought it was. I did. I like. I did a but. I did a lot of it yesterday. Okay. Like expecting it to be um a spring break this week, and I was just like, no. But now, the new stuff for this week has been posted, so I think I'm just gonna blitz through it tomorrow. I was just gonna ask you. Okay. Cool. Uh Two weeks. Awesome. You know, I totally forgot about spring break. I wondered why my nephew was here on a Monday. Now I know. <laughs> what about you, Christian? You started to your clean eating again, right? Yes. So I'm doing, I did Whole30 uh, eating plan in January. And the reason I did it is because um, December, I just went completely balls to the wall, crazy with my eating. And <laughs> I was so uncomfortable and miserable and literally in pain with how bloated I was, I think, and this is just me with my Facebook, uh, Google doctor's, um, uh, (laughs) certificate. I think I have either IBS or diverticulitis and my mother has diverticulitis. So it's not too far fetched that I might have that, but anyway, definitely intestinal issues. And I was eating so much fast food because I was just on the go crazy with my adoptive family program and everything in December that, um, I was not sleeping because I just couldn't get comfortable because my panza was so big (laughs) And, and in pain. And, um, I couldn't poop like TMI, but this is all real shit, man. Uh, well, It was not real shit. <laughs> I wanted it to it be. Was, you could say that there was no shit willing exactly. to come out. <laughs> and so a friend of mine was like, and I've seen her do this in the past, Whole30 um, on and off over the past years. And she was like, I'm going to start this in January. Does anyone want to do it with me? I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to do something. I need something to kickstart Um more healthy eating. And also the point of whole 30 is basically it's an elimination diet where you take out things that have scientifically been proven to be either inflammatories or in some way, shape or form, something that can affect you negatively when you eat it, like dairy, like some people are lactose intolerant, um, gluten, uh, and, um, that kind of stuff. So you completely eliminate it from your diet for 30 days, and then you slowly reintroduce them to see what it is that might be making you feel this way. So I did that in January. I lost 14 pounds and I was sleeping so well. Um, I wasn't in pain anymore. I just felt so good. And then when um, February came around, 
I slowly slipped back into my <laughs> old habits. And since then, um, I've actually, it's been two months, I've gained about five of the pounds back. Um, and so when she said, who wants to do it in um, March or in April, sorry, I was like, oh my gosh, I do because I'm trying to get to a goal weight of 160. Now that's nowhere near what that doctor chart says that I should be <laughs> like literally for my height five, four, they say I should be somewhere between 105 and 125. No freaking way. No, I mean, no freaking way. But in the past, when I thought that I looked like super fit and how I felt really good, um, I was 160. And so I'm trying to get back to that. And so right now I'm at, um, I'm at, uh, when I started, I'm at, I started at 189, not in January, but this three days ago, four days ago. So let's see where I end and say, so I'm saying it out here to podcast land to, for some accountability so that I, I, ha- <laughs> I have to do good so that I can report at the end of the month that I lost my weight. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's real motivation right there. Um, I should try to do something like that. I really should. Um, well, I'm excited because um, I got a Friday off uh, later, like in three weeks. And I'm my husband and I just booked an Airbnb for basically this is what it is. It's a land where there's a, kind of like a, a kind of like a stage. It's all made out of wood and it's only the, oh, the wooden floor and then and then a, uh, a roof. And in that space is just a bed. That's it. There's nothing else. There's no restroom. There's no walls. There's... Where do you go potty? Oh, they, they have uh, like a, a potty uh, where you can go potty. Like it's away from there. It's like oh, on the okay. other side of the land. So it is offered to you. It's yes. just not on the platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. it's Yeah. It, so this is just a bed and a roof, basically. I was a camp counselor once and that was what, uh, that's how we slept. It was just a platform with cots. It didn't have a roof. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I thought, yeah. And it's, uh, it's described as glamping. Yes. Gl- glamorous camping. Uh-huh. Yeah. And glamping. On this, <laughs> yeah. And I, th- it's a thing. And on this land, the Tule River runs through it. So it's the Tule River is located on this private property. So basically, when we go to the river, there's going to be nobody else but us. And one of the perks is you can actually bathe um, in the morning, like like a regular bath, but in the river? river water. Yes, not in the river, oh, but there's a side okay. part. But you use the river water. And do you? Is it warm? Do you get to warm it up? No. <laughs> you have to take a cold bath. Yes. It's oh, cold no. river water. That is no kind of glamping. That is I, not I, glamping. <laughs> I, I, I loved it. I thought it was really great. And their other shower is actually located under the branches of a tree that is also on the property. And also cold water? No, no. This one is, is warm. Okay. You can warm this one up. But uh, <laughs> you, you got me back now (laughs) (laughs) she says but yeah no I we we had gone before and it was just marvelous they have a lot of plants and um this is not going to be offered this time where uh they offer you a breakfast that they cook 
and uh, and they make you juice out of the berries they pick from their garden. Wow. Yeah. And there was this location where they serve you the breakfast and then the um, the hummingbirds come in and they just kind of they're just around you while you eat your breakfast. Us big city folk get so excited about the most simplest things. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm like, I'm so excited. Of course, they're not going to offer the common space area, nor are they going to offer the breakfast anymore. But just going to be there just under the stars and listening to the little to the little frogs at night. It's just going to be awesome. I can't wait. I'm just so excited. I, I can't wait. <laughs> like I'm just, just I love that it. for you. i love that for you as well (laughs) but i i actually enjoy camping but like tent flipping art and like make my own campfire uh kind of camping (laughs) another one sounds nice but i'm just like if i wanted a bed then i just stay home It's just, uh, I, I can't explain it. I think it was one of the best sleeps I had. And then you get we woken up. It by was, the... No, it sounds very romantic. So it's I'm glad so... for you and, and Frank. Like that sounds that sounds like a very romantic thing to do with your partner. But not even a side table to put the lube. <laughs> there is a side table. Oh, okay. There is a side table. There's, <laughs> there's a side table and, and there's a, I think there's a, a like a armchair. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And they also have a fire pit, but when it's uh when it's fire season, they don't let the guests use it. Mm. So I think oh, we're going during yeah, fire yeah. season, so we won't be able to use it, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's yeah, it's uh, I can't wait. I mean, like just thinking about it makes me just so uh so excited. Well, definitely. Mm-hmm. Oh. I was just gonna say, definitely I know you need a break, so I'm glad that you're able to get away. Mm-hmm how like how far away are you from like the people who take care of those things and like other people who are like also using the house is in the middle of the property so we basically it's like a like a minute walk so it's not very far it's just okay so what i was gonna ask is like so are you gonna be walking around naked like nudist style (laughs) no because i can see the appeal of that (laughs) yeah no we can go to the river naked if we wanted to which you know, I, I actually did when I took a, ba- a bath last time. So, and that was exciting. That was really cool. Like, I'm one with nature. Until, <laughs> until you know what? I hadn't seen a frog at all. I heard them all night for t- two nights. I never saw a frog until I went to go take that bath. And then the frog, the little tiny frog was on my on my clothes. And I kind of freaked out. And did <laughs> it take a bath with you? No, no. But when I turned to get, like, my... Uh, my uh, towel or in my clothes that the frog was right on top of it and I kind of freaked out but it, <laughs> in its defense it was cute and cute and tiny and it le- leapt away before I could scream speaking about frogs I have to share my card with you <laughs> <laughs> I am a frog and I am down to fuck oh, incredible <laughs> oh Kristen <laughs> Uh, yeah so I, I was when I was cleaning this little section here today I came across all of the things that I bought from our Heidi Ho Pride Con in 2019 so we held a Pride uh, Con at the shop 
where all of the creators that were there showing off their amazing work were all uh, members of the LGBTQ plus community. And Sonia Saturday actually um, was somebody that I met at a Pasadena convention and um, was like so enamored with her work. And I bought a book of hers that <laughs> was called, Why Do You Cry When I'm On Top? <laughs> oh my god man people are so creative and she's a trans woman and she had this card there and I was like I have to have this card (laughs) I told Eddie I'm gonna send it out as my Christmas cards (laughs) you should I love it and then I just have to show you this this one is a card of art where it's dinosaurs who are in the 69 position. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and they're standing at attention. Yes, they are. Yes. And she has named this artwork, art piece, Before Time Began, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so creative, so creative. <laughs> All right, guys, it's now, what time is it, Kristen? Es la hora de la cervecita. (laughs) And today, um, we are trying Pink Boots Society Women's Day IPA. Now, this is an IPA that um, is, well, I think we've talked about the Pink Boots Society in the past. Yes. Um, But Mm -hmm. just as a refresher, Pink Boots Society was created to assist, inspire, and encourage female beer industry professionals to advance their careers through education. This particular beer that we are going to be drinking supports the Pink Boots Society and was brewed with their signature hop blend. Tasting notes include tropical, herbal, citrus, and woody. Don't be surprised if strength, compassion, and determination come to mind too. So um, this here says brewed in california and it is a 6.5 abv look at that oh it's It's very yeah it's very clear Mm -hmm. yeah so just disclaimer here you're not supposed to be drinking alcohol during whole 30 but i have a little taster (laughs) here which is like i don't know is this like a two ouncer i think um that I pour some of the beer into and then I take some tastes and then oh, my wow. husband comes and grabs the beer from me so that I am not <laughs> I'm not, not tempted. tempted so it is a little bit of a cheat but um this I did this in January too so uh and I still did pretty good <laughs> it smells very fruity mm-hmm. super fresh it does it's very very light if I was if someone handed this to me and asked me to guess what kind of beer it was, I would say it was either a Pilsner or a lager. Yes, yes, definitely. It has that light color, that light mm-hmm. texture, and it has a perfect car- car- carbonation. Yeah. So. Has a good head. Okay, it's really see. good. It's really fresh. I like it. I like it. Ooh, me too. Isn't it good? That's it's very good. It's- it's very tasty, and I definitely, it's almost sweet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like it. 
Oh, no. no offending, uh, offensive hop uh, overtaking of your palate. Um, it's very full in a delicate way, if that makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the flavor lasts from beginning to end without, like I'm saying, usually an IPA will evolve into that really offensive hoppy aftertaste and this is not doing that at all it's so good and you know what's uh, annoying is that all these beers that we actually that you buy sarah and that we love are always limited releases and we never find them again i know <laughs> right i know <laughs> and this one is a uh, topa topa brewing company it's in ventura california Okay. Oh. Yeah. Um, I've never heard of this brewery before, so I, I was really interested in the name. Um, most of these women's uh, b- uh, pink boots and the women's day beers, I I want to get them for the podcast like during the month the uh, of Women's History Month. But what happens is because they brew them, they they release them from their brewery, and then they they scatter them around to to yeah. liquor stores and everything. Then this one I happen to get like. I think on the 31st of March. So there was no way to be able to drink that um, within the Women's Heritage Month yeah. March. So, but it's really exciting that they do these brews and this collaborations and stuff. So I'm always excited to see this and I'm always shopping around for them for, for the Women's History Month. So I'm really glad we got a chance to get some of these. This one I got at Corpse, shit, I'm there again, Caps and Corks. Oh, yeah. I did it. I did it. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, so, um, and I had their tacos, their street tacos. Oh, I had the. I was uh, just going to ask you about their food. Yes, I had, before I've had the, the, uh, uh, basic bitch cheeseburger which was delicious and then <laughs> this, time, this time I tried the street tacos and I tried the, um, the asada and the al pastor. And they Ooh. were pretty good. They were pretty good. I was nice. really impressed. I really love the, the salsa, the spicy salsa. They put it on the side, you know, because they want to be careful not to burn people. But mm. it was good. It was really nice and spicy. It's a place that I never would think about going for food. For but now that I know that they have food, I want to go and check it out. And I drive <laughs> by there all the time. Yeah, me, me too. Same. So yeah, that's where I got this four pack and I'm really loving this brew. It's really, really fresh. I really like it. I really, really like it. So uh-huh. I like it too. I can I can see why they said that there's an herbal taste. It's it tastes almost like mm, almost like black tea. Mm, oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I I really like it. I think it goes well with whatever hops that they're using to like make it more palatable to me. Mm-hmm. And I can definitely taste the, the tropical and the citrus uh that they describe. I'm very suggestible if that is a word because as soon as you said that, I had just taken a drink and I'm like, oh my gosh, I do taste black tea. <laughs> <laughs> no, but overall the taste is really good. The carbonation really lends itself. And like you said, uh the color is very deceiving because when I poured it I I I thought to myself this could be either like a porter or a lager kind of color it's really clear pilsner I'm sorry pilsner oh yeah porters are dark (laughs) but um but yeah it has a really clear kind of golden color and I'm really enjoying the freshness of the taste of the beer itself it's very Mm -hmm. spring I feel yeah, yeah, for an I 
FPA, I wouldn't generally associate that with fresh and light and spring, but you're absolutely right. And I would drink the heck out of this all year long. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm sad that I'm only drinking two ounces. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So are we ready to rate the beer? Yes, I yes. am. And so just as a reminder to the listeners, we rate our beer on a five point scale where one is flaccid, two is initial, three is partial, four is full, and five out of five is a rigid. And if we drink a beer that is exceptional and we just love it so much, we can't stay on the rating scale. We give it a six out of five Super Saiyan. So Sarah, what do you rate this beer? I'm going to give this a full. I'm really, really enjoying this beer. Definitely. Nice. Yes. You know what? I'm, you know what? I'm going to go with rigid. <laughs> just, just because I don't feel like any like severe aftertaste. I feel yep. it's like a really clean, clean brew. Yep, it is. So I'm going to um, go with rigid. So this is Kristen. I'm also going to go with rigid. Um, I really in, am enjoying this a lot. And uh, maybe it's because I know I can't have beer that is like that little naughtiness that's <laughs> pushing me <laughs> over the edge. But um, it's so flavorful. And uh, the fact that it also is a Pink Boot Society um, supported beer and the money goes to helping further the careers of women in the industry, um, I love. So I'm giving it a five out of five. This is Jen, and same thing. I'm going to give it a rigid as well. Uh, anything that can make me feel like I am drinking tea, uh, I mm-hmm. will immediately like. So the fact that this, I can taste something of that, and I do really like that kind of that deep multifaceted taste. I uh, I really like it. So I'm gonna go with a rigid as well. And I keep like doing that to try to because that's that's where the hoppiness usually comes at the end and it's not there mm-hmm. all right guys now it's time for cheese de la semana and Kristen has some good cheese today so hopefully you all have already seen that there is a new loki trailer that dropped um Geez, I had the article open in my phone and then I got Googling <laughs> on to whether or not green beans were legumes. <laughs> <laughs> well, are I they? Close, but I here it is. So um, so it says Loki uh, must fix his end game timeline break. So um, Marvel dropped a new Loki trailer this week and uh, it is actually showing I mean, because when we had last saw Loki in Endgame, he did not have a very good uh, ending. He actually died in that movie. So it's showing uh, this. Spoilers. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> the, well, the trailer. Oh, yeah. the, oh the spoilers, spoilers for, for Endgame. <laughs> yeah. How, how long did it come out again? Uh, I don't like know. Two Ten years ago? ago? <laughs> two, three years? So. 
what we're going to see is that um, we're going to see Loki from an alternate universe where he used the Tesseract to evade the Avengers capture in 2012. And he is going to be working under the supervision of the Time Variance Authority. And presumably from this trailer, they are teaming up to stop a bigger threat we don't know what that is yet but i'm excited to see who marvel is bringing in as the big bad for this tv show so um they have a date of june 11th uh that the first episode will drop i don't know how many it's going to be though right now we're only getting six for falcon and winter soldier we got nine for wandavision so um, I'm not sure how many episodes it's going to be, but uh, it is coming during the summer. And I hope that just like me, you all have been watching these Marvel series and been enjoying them. I really am enjoying Falcon Winter Soldier. I didn't think I was going to enjoy it as much as I enjoyed WandaVision. And um <laughs> And I didn't think I was going to become a Winter Soldier fan and fangirl. Uh, <laughs> slowly winning me over. Um, and I, I just love their um, their chemistry together. Yeah. They're so opposite, but just so it's just their their quippiness is just it really works. And um, and then there's all of that drama behind the scenes winter soldier uh bucky with his uh ptsd mm-hmm. and then uh falcon with uh the money problems yes and racism mm-hmm. yeah uh, oh my god yes dealing with and so i just love it and honestly it feels a lot like the the marvel books that i've read with falcon in them that I've really enjoyed. So um, if you're not watching, please uh, go and watch Falcon Winter Soldier and then prepare yourself for the next um, MCU uh, uh, show. show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. Loki, which will be coming out in June. Oh, I can't wait. Ooh, yeah. I, I love me some Loki. I love his humor. It's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's very sarcastic. I honestly, I was a little conflicted about it because I knew they were going to do something. But I was kind of hoping that they would go the Kid Loki route. But it doesn't seem like that's what it's going to be doing. And especially because I kind of liked the character development that Loki got, especially after 3. So uh it's like, uh, I'm a little sad. But at the same time, it's still like Tom Hiddleston. He really knows the character and he like portrays him very well so and i guess i'll watch it <laughs> <laughs> but it, um a lot of the loki storylines that i have read and that i generally do like usually it is with like a former version of loki trying to come back and like take his role over the newest one and as a matter of fact the main kid loki storyline that we get that was written by karen gillen that is the premise it is uh, old Loki trying to take over uh, his younger version self. Mm. Uh, and I will leave people to know whether he succeeded or not, but it's a great story. <laughs> it's a great story, and if this is kind of the route this seems to be taking, which we I kind of saw, 
in the trailer, I'm very excited. I I am a little excited to watch it. So I will give it a chance. It looked really good. And I mean, in the comics, uh, jumping from one um, alternate universe to another, it it happens every freaking day uh, in the superheroes' lives. And so I can't imagine that that wouldn't be the case in um, the tv slash movie iteration of these characters and so um definitely leaves the door open for him to continue to appear in further movies i think too oh yeah definitely definitely i mean i know a lot of people that were like really like in kind of disbelief that he died like right off and that honestly when i first saw it that really was a shock to me like i'm like what what the hell but I'm glad we're watching. We get it's a show. comics. No one stays dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, but one. yeah, I, but unless I'm you're very... a woman, unless you're a woman or mm. Uncle Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pobre Uncle Ben. <laughs> so I'm very much looking forward to this series. All right, guys, it's now time for our book review. What are we reviewing today? So today we are reviewing. Scene, True Stories of Marginalized Trailblazers, this one focusing on Rachel Carson. It was written by Bertie Willis, illustrated by Rhea Abrego, colored by Kieran Quigley, and lettered by DC Hopkins. So I was mentioning before we started that I had been looking at this cover and I saw the name Rachel Carson, but because Rachel Carson was a marine biologist who did a lot of like conservationist work. It wasn't necessarily a name that I recognized. And so I thought Rachel Carson was the creator, was the writer of this book (laughs) (laughs) for the longest until I started reading it. I was like, oh, okay, got it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So this is a book that was actually um, published by Boom, uh, Booms, uh, like Boombox, all ages, imprint which is boombox and um this particular uh and boombox actually has books that are all ages and also ya they have boombox uh actually is the uh um the publishing umbrella that does uh giant days or that did giant days so that was more Mm -hmm. of like a ya um title but this book here I would say if you guys uh, want to say what you think, I think it was it's more of a an all ages book, um, more of like a uh, a book that was written in a way that tried to make um, what Rachel did in her life uh, in both marine biology and conservationism more accessible to young kids. And that's just the feeling I got when I was reading it. Yes. So let me read the back of scene. It says, meet Rachel Carson, the woman who changed the way America fought against environmental crisis through her best-selling books, ultimately spurring the creation of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Bertie Willis and Rhea Brego present the true story of the marine biologist whose dedication, compassion, and integrity gave a new generation of Americans hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's a very small book, and it has a teaching guide in the back. That very is a, extensive teaching guide. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, a very mm-hmm. lengthy teaching guide. Um, 
and the book itself is very tiny said so, and uh, for me this is Sarah when I read it it was very it seemed like a uh, very kind of poetic kind of very brief and sort of like like a poem that we we were mostly reading her monologue in her head yeah like her thoughts mm -hmm. and so they seem very poetic and um I love the art. The art it reminded me of Heidi. I don't know if you guys remember growing up with yeah. Heidi, the Jap anime um, that I saw in Spanish in Mexico. Uh, so it reminded me a lot of that. And the art is very nice and clean, beautiful lines, uh, a lot of expression in the eyes. Uh, the cover art was amazing. I love how it's it's kind of like um, uh, what is it called? It's kind of raised where the where the flowers are so it's like sort embossed. of embossed yes that's the word I was looking for so I really 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 like it it I read it and I liked it but I and I and I sort and I enjoyed it because I, I was introduced to Rachel Carson um, but it was not a book that was written for a person that is 45 years of age <laughs> so, so I appreciate it because I think you know um, highlighting um, marginalized trailblazers, especially like a queer female, um, is a big deal. You know, it's a big deal. And the fact that there's a study guide in the back to help teachers, um, you know, um, study this type of literature in classes, I think it's awesome. Having a book about a queer marine biologist who basically created the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency is a big deal. But nowhere in this book did they ever mention that she was queer. Nowhere in this book did they ever mention that that was one of her reasons why she was marginalized. Um, and they mention her, quote unquote, close female friend, Dorothy Freeman. Um, but the only reason I knew she was queer, the only reason that I even... Um, have that information is because I googled it because in reading this book um, they shared about Dorothy's husband they shared about other people's significant others but they never shared anything about Rachel's and then they do share that she had this very close personal relationship with Dorothy and they even shared a personal letter of hers um, to uh, to Dorothy and it got my uh, my little sensors uh, tingling and I was like, Flaring. I think that there's something more here. And so I Googled it and I would have loved for that to have actually been highlighted in here um, because this was boy they they talk about the war, about World War II. Um, mm -hmm. Was it World War II? Yeah, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, yes, because they talked about the bombing of, uh, of uh, Pearl, Harbor. Pearl Harbor. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and so um, the fact that um, that she, you know, back then was having this relationship and everything, I understand why she may not have wanted to have that um in the forefront because of 
you know, back in the day, the society was not very accepting, but it's 2021. Now this book came out in 2021 and I would have liked to actually have seen some sort of, um, acknowledgement, uh, acknowledgement. Yes. And, and mm. just, um, affirmation and just, uh, I mean, if, if this, the title of this book is called seen, and if I know, we really right? want to see a person, I want to see all of them. And, yeah. and it was very interesting because when I did Google it, um, she had, um, she died, unfortunately, very young in her, I think she's 56, yeah. um, and which is very young to yes. me. And she died of cancer. Mm-hmm. And cancer. Um, before she died, she destroyed all of her personal letters between her and Dorothy. And so that is that ain't a giant fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and let me tell you, it says in the story that they wrote 900 letters in 12 years. Yeah. But wow. what yeah. and my point too is that back then that's what she felt like she had to do. So now in 2021, I wish that we could have honored her in that way. And mm-hmm. even though it is an all ages book, um there's nothing wrong with celebrating the love of, I mean, to me, the more scandalous thing was that Dorothy was married when all of this. Yeah, was <laughs> right. And then, yes. and then towards the end, frolicking with the grandchildren. Yeah. Like yeah. that was scandalous to me too, as well. I was like, what? She's mm-hmm. married. She has a husband. <laughs> what? <laughs> but, yeah. There was an affair. Like, um, <laughs> That happened a lot back then, though, and I was just like, I was very disappointed when reading it, and I saw that. Um, uh, and like you said, like it's it's one of those things that just goes if people don't look at it or examine it or like are astute enough, it'll just pass them by, and it is once again erasing somebody's queerness, right. even though we know that that they are queer, or you have to do the extra jump in research to find out that they were queer. I think this book is a great teaching material and I can maybe see why Boombox decided to be very uh, light on her relationship with Dorothy. Cause like everyone's always, oh no, think of the children and stuff like that. But my answer is all like, children can handle it. Children yeah. can always handle it. You're just too scared or don't want to be, or in this case, I don't think they want to be the subject of like being sued or something. Uh, I mean, I feel like they were trying to be um, like progressive in even mentioning Dorothy, because honestly, I don't feel like mentioning their quote unquote friendship really furthered the story in any way, shape or form. So the fact that they uh even included it was their way of being like, look at us, we're including lesbians. in our (laughs) But yeah. it was in such a subtle, uh, almost non, almost like, invisible way. Yes. So mm. uh, I I wish that they would have done more. But I mean, maybe there was because in the back is a bibliography, and maybe there just was no because all those all those letters were destroyed. Maybe there was no definitive uh, proof. Mm. Um, because they were very careful and because the letters were destroyed. I don't know why they didn't add it, but it all it took was a very quick Google search for me to have her name come up and, and associated with multiple 
um, LGBTQ plus websites and lists of people that um, the community claim as their own. <laughs> yeah. And I think, but yeah, like the book, the book is, it's very well drawn. I think it's very informative and I think it could be used as a great teaching material. Hell, it could be a great bedtime story for a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with Sarah. I think it's not very geared towards people, towards older people. It's a little bit on the dry side. Yeah. Uh, and a little bit, uh, like I said, like it's it's very, very surface level kind of introduction as to who uh, Rachel was as a person. But so, but it's a good intro into like her life and her and what she did and what she's known for. So it's, I think it's a good book for kids. Uh, yeah. Not if one not necessarily geared towards older people. And but that- see, to me, that is the great thing of the best YA books that are out there. They yes. are geared for all ages. They mm-hmm. are accessible to kids and they're accessible to adults. And this, mm-hmm. if I found it boring, yeah, a, a good bedtime story because it puts you right to sleep (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think it would it would be it should be less dry and boring to engage kids but i mean it was super interesting to me about the pesticides Mm -hmm. and about um the fact that she was fighting against companies and even the government who didn't want to do the research they didn't care Mm-hmm. that the pesticides DDT was mm-hmm. specifically was mm-hmm. harmful to other living beings and that if they were harmful to them, that at some point it was going to be harmful to humans as well. Right. Um, and so I found that very interesting because I remember actually um, way back in the day when I was a kid, um, hearing stories of DDT and it being outlawed and stuff like that. So um, Mm. it's, uh, it's definitely, it was, that was definitely interesting to me in her, uh, well, there was something else that I was like, oh, I didn't know that, but now I don't remember it was now I don't know it again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I was really interested in like her book work. Um, Yeah. 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 She wrote like, uh, uh, not just like fan like a fantasy like series and stuff like that uh they or like folk uh kind of like folkloric work i kind of i'm kind of interested in picking that up and seeing if it's the typical kind of like grapes of wrath era style writing mm-hmm. or if it's different mm-hmm. well i'm a little disappointed that we don't find out that she actually inspired the uh, creation of the u.s environmental protection agency and we only hear about that in the back of the book we don't hear that within the story which yeah, i think that's true which i think would have, <laughs> could have really been a like a really strong closing finale yeah but we didn't get that mm-hmm. we were just left with and we didn't even get that she actually died of breast cancer it was just sort of like this poison has already taken over my body but i didn't want anyone to know and that was it that was all we heard yeah yeah and mm-hmm. then her spending the last few days with their friend Dorothy and her grandchildren. So that that's all we got from that. I feel I could have used more meat in the story, but again, this was not geared towards my adult forty-five-year-old self. So, um, mm-hmm. so I'm 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 ready to rate it. What about you guys? Yeah, 
Sure. I'm going to give it dos conchas. This is Sarah only because um, I really love the artwork. Um, and some of the story, like the nature stuff, felt like a, a poem to me. And it really read well with the images. So I'm going to give it dos conchas. Um, mm -hmm. And also because I was introduced to a, another person um, of history that was, you know, that is not highlighted at all, like Rachel Carson who was uh, an author and also a, bi uh, uh, I'm sorry, what was her degree? Marine <laughs> biologist. Marine biologist. And, uh, and obviously um, she fought uh, on the environmental crisis. So that, that was a big, big three points. So I'm able to now go back and read more about her and learn more about her life and what she did. So those conchas for me. What about you guys? Mm -hmm. Uh, well, this is Jen, and I'm going to give it one concha. I like the information. I did not know who Rachel Carson was. I'm now very interested in her. Uh, and the artwork is very nice, but I feel that it lacks more information. Uh, and it lacks a certain kind of appeal uh, in that it's, it's kind of dry. And it's... And it, kids... Kids are okay, like, you can't just write a graphic novel and be like, oh, my job got, like, information and kids, like, in a, information via cartoon and kids, the kids will immediately eat it up. Kids can spot something boring from a fucking mile away. So I feel that if they made it a bit more engaging, it would have read a lot better. As is, it's a good bedtime story. <laughs> uh, but uh, I did like learning about Rachel and stuff like that. So one concha, you did okay. I feel like Mochi had something to say about it. Yeah, she's <laughs> upset. She didn't like it. <laughs> so this is Kristen. And I rarely give one concha ratings because I always feel so bad. But I am giving this a one concha because I was, even though some of the information was interesting, I was so bored and I had to force myself to actually get the information. And then as soon as I was done reading it, I was like, this woman was a lesbian. And I had to Google. I had to, I mean, maybe it deserves to because it forced me to go and learn more <laughs> about, about Rachel and that was, it's, uh, you know, that's what it was intended to do to begin with. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it has a, a, a extensive um, teaching guide in the back, um, if you're a teacher, I definitely think you can do something with this. Uh, it mm -hmm. has the learning standards in the back. So you could work this book into your curriculum and they would actually hit the standards. Um, but as far as just reading it and enjoying it, um, I it gets one concha from from me. Um, but mm -hmm. I actually like that there is this um, series seeing true stories of marginalized trailblazers. This is the first one I've actually seen, uh, and um, I <laughs> am looking forward to seeing who else they highlight. I believe they have, there has been like two or three others before this mm -hmm. because I remember really ordering them for the shop. Uh, but 
it had kind of been a we're not sure if Boom is going to continue doing this, but it seems that they have seen some success with it. So I hope that they do continue to publish it. Maybe yeah. like improve the writing a little bit uh, more, make it a little less boring. Uh, I don't know how the others are. Uh, they might be, it might be just different writers. Yeah. Uh, so it might just be the person themselves not sure how to convey information because mm-hmm. conveying conveying and writing information without being too wordy is difficult and it's something yeah. that uh, a lot of people need to learn how to do so maybe they're not that experienced with it uh with how thinking to about parse that too. information yeah because uh, research is there's a there's a reason why research is a whole different department mm-hmm. uh in most places so Maybe from that, but there are other books about this that have for uh, that have focused on other women, uh, other marginalized, less well-known women than we are usually taught. You know, uh, so let me just read you one of the teaching guide questions. It says, "Page nine is a splash page. What is the purpose of a splash a splash page in a comic? What is the purpose of this one? I don't know. And I'm forty-five. <laughs> and i just and i just looked at that page and i still don't know (laughs) that's funny so uh i'm actually looking at boom studios website and they have um true stories of marginalized trailblazers edmond edmonia lewis the first in an all-new original graphic novel series is was that one and um Mm -hmm. It's, uh, well, who is she? It just was saying that there's that. Oh, here we go. Um, she was the woman who changed America during the Civil War by becoming the first sculptor of African-American and Native American heritage to earn international acclaim. Oh, wow. Oh. That's awesome. I would love to read that one. Mm-hmm. So that's the only one that I've seen. And then it says that... Um, it will continue with Rachel Carlson. So this is only the second one that's come out. Okay, got it, got it. All right, well, that, that's that been, our, a, I think, a very adequate review of this uh, comic book scene, True Story, Two Stories of Marginalized Trailblazers. All right, guys, it's now time for On My Radar. Kristen, que esta en tu radar? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, oh. I'm pretty sure radar is a different word in Spanish, but I can't think of it uh, right now. Radar. Radar. It's not, I, I'm 100% sure it's not radar. It might be, it might, oh, hold on, I have to look this up now. You think I would know, but I don't. Uh, radar. <laughs> you look it up and Kristen, what's on your radar? Oh. So- out last Wednesday on New Comic Book Day, which was March 31st, there was Silk number one. Now, if you remember, Cindy Moon uh, is Silk. She is um, in the Spider family, and she actually came out in uh, Spider-Verse, I believe. And she is a, um, she was also bit by, I think, the spider that bit Peter Parker and gave her some of the same abilities. Her title book came out in like 2014, 
when I very first started reading comics and she had a book and so did Gwen Stacy. So Spider Gwen was out and I was reading both of them and I 100% preferred Silk's story over uh, Spider Gwen. And it's very, they're very different characters, obviously, but Silk's story was just so much more dramatic and like meaty whereas spider gwen was more like teeny bopperish type um <laughs> and they both they both had their their positive aspects but i preferred silk unfortunately silk did not go on spider gwen is still around now but her uh title was canceled and we didn't see a lot of readership for it but she's back and she her number one came out last week And this storyline follows her um, as a reporter for an upstart new media um, website called Threats and Menaces. And guess who her boss is? None other (laughs) than J. Jonah Jameson. So um, he's in the story. And by night, she's silk. She's crime fighting. She's out there keeping the streets of New York safe. And um, in this first issue, uh, she actually, there's like this, um, there's these murders that are going on. And um, somehow uh, J. Jonah Jameson gets involved in it where they're coming after him. And Cindy just happens to be, I don't know if she was on the, she was on the subway or she was near him when they, Somehow she saw what was happening. So she changed really quickly and she protected him. And so he is hiring her uh, to be her bo- his bodyguard, basically. So now the storyline as it's going uh, on further is, I'm guessing, going to be how is she going to figure out how to work for him during the day and then also work for him at night, but as two totally different people. So the thing that I love, I mean, the story was good. I actually really enjoyed it. But the other thing that I really love about this character, Cindy Moon is an Asian character and both the writer and the penciler, the the artist, they're both Asian creators. Yes. So I love that. I love that Marvel is getting on board with the fact that um, we don't just need to see um, people of color. Uh, the word that I just learned, BIPOC, um, <laughs> on the panel, um, but also as creators as well, behind the panels, behind the scenes. Um, mm-hmm. So I love that. And the writer is Maureen Gu, and the penciler is Takeshi Miyazawa. Uh, so definitely check it out. Um, it doesn't say here if it is a limited series. I want to say that it might be, but it doesn't say so. Maybe it's ongoing. Uh, we can only cross our fingers and, and hope so. So silk number one and um, that is in your LCS now and add it to your pool. Awesome. That is super cool. Now, I, I just saw Eddie from Collectors on his Collectors page post a picture of silk uh, CDC uh, rated. Uh, was that from the first series? Yes. Mm-hmm. And he, it was rated 9.5, right? I don't remember. I just was, I just handed it to him today. <laughs> I, away. I don't remember. That's super cool though. Like I, I'm like, was there a, like, it just seems so serendipitous that I saw his post and then this was on your radar. So it's really awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, guys, now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes, and I bring you a Juntos y Fuertes today. This is Sarah. I'm so excited because I finally get to do a Juntos y Fuertes. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't happen very often, but sometimes it happens. So the Women's National Book Association and the Do Good Public Relation Group has launched a new program called Authentic Voices, which is intended to be to help BIPOC, the, the word we learned today, or actually <laughs> uh, we learned it on Friday when we chatted on Las Platicas, BIPOC writers bringing their authentic stories and experiences to the table. You can find them at www.wnba-la.org. Uh, the Women's National Book Association Authentic Voices Program um, it is in collaboration with Women of Color Writers Podcast. It's excited to launch the WNBA Authentic Voices Program an initiative that highlights diversity in publishing by bringing authentic voices to the table in educational, immersive, and, and equality building program. This program will be piloted out of WNBA's Los Angeles chapter. Now, for those of you out there in listening land who don't know what um, BIPOC stands for, it's Black Indigenous People of Color. Study after study has shown the lack of BIPOC authors in the world in the book world. In order to build equality in publishing, we must provide BIPOC communities the foundation and tools needed to understand and complete and compete in the publishing world. You can donate to this uh, to Authentic Voices Initiative, uh, and there's an online uh, program that you can take. Uh, one of the programs are already started in February 2021, uh, but check out their page. They have a lot of things going on. Um, they also state that all the work will be published in an anthology after the program has been completed. And if you have any further questions, you could always email them at WOC writers that's r uh, w-r-i-t-e-r-s at gmail.com uh, so to check that out again is www.wnba-la.org so that's my juntos guys um, um i'm very excited uh they have a lot of wonderful things going on. There's, uh, like, I, like I said before, they have a podcast that is also uh, in association with them. Um, I believe they only have one episode out right now, so check them out. It's Color Writers Podcast, so check them out. Um, I'm not sure what streaming formats they're on, but I'm sure if you Google them, they will turn up. So that, again, is www.wnba-la.org. Kristen, you have a Juntos y Fuertes as well. I do. This came across my uh, Facebook the other day. I was like, oh, I was excited for many reasons. Though <laughs> um, the main reason is that there is a woman making homemade tortillas in Long Beach and using <laughs> the money uh, to give to LA's homeless um, organiza organizations that support homeless um, people. And so I was looking at this article and it says in Long Beach, a mujer owns tortilla DIY nonprofit raises money for LA's homeless and more. So um, the organization itself is called Pueblita Tortillas and it's a small nonprofit enterprise 
enterprise supplying fresh made-to-order corn tortillas. And in selling those tortillas, she's raising donation dollars for organizations in need. So um, she is a young entrepreneur. She's 24 years old. And uh, her name is, what is her name? That is so funny because when you say tortilla lady, it, to me, immediately, I think about 50, 60 year old. But the, he, then you mentioned she's 24 and I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing with my life? Her name is Sandy Wall. And it's <laughs> the title says Sandy Wall transforming Masa into miracles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Masa I miracles. Love- <laughs> uh so um, she, let's see, um, when she moved to Los Angeles with her family, um, she says that she, her eyes were opened to Southern California's massive houseless population and um, the systemic poverty that fueled it. And so um, outside of her main nine to five job, which is in the entertainment industry, she really wanted to do something um, that had something to do with her passion for helping people. So um, she sold about 12 dozen uh, packs of tortillas, it says. No, 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 not 12 dozen. A dozen packs of tortillas. How much are these tortillas? A dozen packs of tortillas and she raised $250. What's what's mm-hmm. 250 divided by 12? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll get back to you on that. So, and and so she says that um, that was her first donation, but each month wall is going to pick a different organization to donate to and encourages customers to tell her what causes they'd like to be supported as well. Um, There's a picture here of the tortillas in this um, article and they just looked really yummy and it makes me want to buy all the tortillas long beach is not too far from here and it is supporting a great uh a great cause so um pueblita tacos and you i'm sorry pueblita tortillas and you can go to their website which is pueblita.org so p-u-e-b-l-i-t-a dot org that's super cool. cool. And um, it's about $20 a pack. Okay. I'll pay for that for a homemade tortilla, of course. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I don't know if people even know, but tortilla making is really, like, really hard. I mean, if you're going to make it from scratch, scratch, like, you have to boil the nishtamal. And then after that, you have to blend, uh, uh, not blend it, mix it, not mix it, break it down to a masa consistency and then you make the tortillas homemade, of course. But um, I think uh, my my family, when I was when I would go back to Tlatenango, uh, Puebla, they would get up at four in the morning to boil the nishtamal, and that mm-hmm. took forever because it was it's. What is of, that? What are you talking about? It, uh, nishtamal. I've never of, heard that name or that it's, word. It's the corn that is it's, used to to make the tortilla, but it's maize. that's too my grandma just used to well again she also didn't make corn she made flour like she just got it out of a bag (laughs) (laughs) yeah in in guatemala um uh, when we would go and like we would eat like tamales de um uh, the the maize yeah they would have had the corn soaking in the water and then very early in the morning 
you they didn't boil it because they just took it to the molino mm-hmm. uh, so that they wouldn't have to do the crushing themselves but before there but before there was an established molino they did have to boil it and then crush it themselves yes uh, mm-hmm. and stuff like that and <laughs> my aunt said is like the them having a molino is like the best fucking thing that ever fucking happened oh absolutely <laughs> like like the stories i'm talking about when i was a kid so that i must have been like in like 10 or whatever but mm-hmm. when I went back again, there was a, a molino in the town. So everybody would yeah. get their nishtamal already prepared, just had it uh, broken down, grinded down, and then got their masa from there. But it just took. I, I just picture one hours. person with a food processor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that would have helped probably. Yeah. I, honestly. It would have, yeah, the water, having a food processor itself helps. But no, a molino is. It's kind of an industrial-sized one. Mm. No, so, but like, what's what's the word in English? What's a, what's a molino? I guess it, I guess grinder? it's like a grinder. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like a no mill, mill. it's a mill. Yeah, it's a it's a mill, but not like the windmill thing stuff yeah, like no. that. This is now just like an industrial yeah. mill. Yeah, and it's usually just like one person in the town who has it, or like the village yes. who has it, because yes. it's the one person who was able to afford it. Afford it. And then yeah. they just charge everyone uh, who wants to use it, like a couple of. Well, in Guatemala, Getzales, they charge them like a couple Getzales. Right. right. Uh, so, so they could but use I, the mill. I have vivid memories of uh, one of my cousins carrying that corn to El Molino, like on one shoulder in uh-huh. like a big bucket and covered in a, in a manta. It wasn't even covered like in plastic or a lid. It was like a, 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 a manta over it. And they just, you know, I mean, I remember their swift kind of like tight foot walk down the road that was unpaved with the mm-hmm. big thing on their shoulder with the big bucket. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I um, helped my family while I was there uh, whenever I visit to like take the corn up to the molino because my ancestors decided that you know what we're gonna build our house on the side of a fucking mountain so if you want to go anywhere (laughs) please climb up this unpaved way i scream but yeah we would take him we would take him in plastic buckets uh or i would take it in a plastic bucket in the handle with with the kids and then my aunts would have it on their heads and i'd be like yeah no i'm not on that level <laughs> well, my cousins were on as the one a, shoulder level, yeah. As my mom said, that's real mujer shit, and I was just all like, "Damn, I'm not real mujer shit right here." Right? Yeah. No. 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 Well, the I same. bet you money that this woman gets it from a bag. <laughs> <laughs> but I would be super impressed uh if she does all this thing, uh, if she boils it and crushes it and does everything herself. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll find out, not maybe not in the next episode, but we will find out soon enough and then we'll bring that news to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, it's now time for In La Libreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? So today I have a graphic novel on Kickstarter called Wallow. Uh, and it's a graphic novel about a Nicaraguan migrant worker. So, Walo is a young man from a small town in Nicaragua who flees a violent conflict in his country and sets off on a migrant odyssey through unfamiliar Central American territories with his unhinged uncle and best friend. Along the way, he encounters dangerous gangs, corrupt landowners, and mythical beings from Central American folklore come to life, 
all in his quest to earn a few bucks. So um, it's by Douglas Kushney. Uh, I believe he is the artist on it. Uh, and he's actually kind of adapting a story that he knows from uh, someone who told him uh, about their journey. So uh, he the, the story is named after his friend named Wallo, uh, who is um, uh, from Guzmapa, Nicaragua. Uh, and he's been his, a friend with him like for a really long time. Yeah, they, uh, appa- and- apparently Douglas went to visit Nicaragua and he mm-hmm. met Walo. But his, his name isn't Walo, that's his nickname. Yeah, yeah um, that's his and nickname. They, and they uh, basically just hung, hung out together, played soccer together. They And even when Douglas left Nicaragua, he still kept in touch with Walo. And so they have been friends for the longest time ever. And so I guess Walo had to travel out of Nicaragua to make a living and I didn't realize this was a magical realism book Mm -hmm. which already makes it even better than what I originally (laughs) thought Um, Mm -hmm. for those of you guys who remember my husband is from Nicaragua so I'm very familiar with the country itself I am also familiar with a lot of uh, his family members my husband's family members that would immigrate to Costa Rica and work as domestic workers or, you know, just like albañiles um, in order to send money back to Nicaragua and their family. So I know about uh, a lot of the racism and a lot about also the rivalry that they have, Nicaragua has with Costa Ricans as well. So I'm mm-hmm. sure that his uh, migrant journey has is full of that kind of dynamic. So I'm excited to see what this Kickstarter has in store for us. I know that they have uh, an incentive where you could buy it in English and also buy a Spanish version. So I'm very, very excited to read that. And the art looks amazing. And I believe the artist is uh, a Nicaraguan American uh, artist. So Mm -hmm. oh, cool. Very, very exciting. Yes. So it is a very, it's a magical realism book that is based on the journey of one man's uh, uh, Odyssey, yeah. I love how, I don't know why it never occurred to me, but that is what many of these people go through. And that is a way of kind of taking their journey. But it is, it's a journey that completely changes them. Mm-hmm. My, uh, From what I know, my uncle was never the same. Both of my uncles were never the same after they, after they crossed the border. Like my other uncle the first time and the second time. Like, Something from what I've known, because also a lot of people don't, a lot of immigrants don't like talking about their journey. I know. Why is that? Is it that painful? I mean, yeah, I think it's because it's that painful. My mom Mm -hmm. doesn't like talking about it. And hers was relatively painless from what I know. My dad doesn't like talking about it. My uncles definitely didn't like talking about it. All I could get was like bits and pieces and no one like from... What I've seen, not a lot of imi- not a lot of immigrants like talking about their journey from here because I think they go through so much and they themselves know are aware that they're not the same person that they were uh, when they when they left wherever it is that they came from. So it's uh, I I I know that there's been like works of similar kinds about like really like of like documenting a person's journey and stuff like that but what I really like about this one is that magical realism aspect and that's 
if it even is, we say magical realism, but for some, uh, I was able to get a story out of one of my uncles about one of his journeys. And he talked to me about disappearing trucks that some people took. And it like, it really freaked me out. But I was just like, in my head, like what I was saying, like what I was, he probably was just dehydrated. He was probably hallucinating. Mm. He probably wasn't in his right mind. But to him, it's real. Uh, so it's not a, it's not magical realism. It's real what what it is that he saw. And basically, what he what he saw was he saw a truck full of immigrant people of that he was in, and that he had to like crawl out of the truck because they didn't have any water. They didn't have like, and it was really hot in there. And someone had carved like someone had like with their bare hands was able to like make a hole at the bottom of the truck and escape like came into and a couple of other people and he said and he told me that he crawled like he fell out of the truck onto the pavement and then he looked at the truck and it just disappeared after him and the three people like got out it just disappeared into the ether like he he like he was watching it and he swears like he just to see like web and then out of like nowhere it just disappeared it was like the sand took it away is what he told me and like I was just like like in my head like in my head he's like he was suffering he probably didn't know but it's like it's a story that he that it took work to get out of from him the only reason I did get it out of from him was because he was like a little drunk (laughs) (laughs) and that's the only time that 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 happens but uh from what I've heard also it's not very it's not an uncommon thing that people and I think it is mostly like dehydration and mass hallucinations that make them see things Mm -hmm. uh at least that's what I believe to them it's not to them it's something that happened that they firmly and utterly believe happened whether it was them seeing a god or one of one of their old gods whether it was them seeing disappearing trucks or like or coyotes with snake heads like it's it like to them it's it's real things and it's real stories that they believe did happen to them Mm -hmm. and that lends an utterly new perspective and that's what really interested me in this swallow because they are putting a lot of um uh, magical realism and stories i believe that he said that he had heard from wallow so i uh i'm very interested in this book it seems it's very powerful and i really do like the artwork as well so uh it's wallow a central american odyssey volume one on kickstarter and i believe it barely it launched like a week ago so it still has 23 days to go but it is currently at six thousand six hundred eighteen dollars of its pledged fourteen thousand dollar goal so they're almost like halfway there and it has 122 backers and as of right now there is an early bird special so you can get you can back for about five dollars less then so usually the early bird stuff lasts like about maybe a week so by the time this episode comes out they might not be there but right now the early bird special is like the cheapest one is ten dollars and you can get the digital comic in either english or spanish if you are not able to get the digital comic early bird special 
then the regular one is still available and that one's going to be $15. And then from there, it builds up. There is an $18 one that's a bilingual package that has both the English and Spanish ones, uh, if you are interested in that one. And then from there, it jumps up in price to the physical copies. So right now, the early bird special for the physical copies is $25 in either English or Spanish. After that, if you're not able to get the early bird one, you the pledge goes to $30 for the physical copy, also in English and Spanish. And then there is a pledge. And now this one doesn't have an early bird special. It's just, it's just like a base pledge of $40. And you get a print. You get a PDF of a volume one. You get, I believe, the phys- you get an 11 by 17 print of original artwork from a featured uh, artist. And you get a postcard and a thank you in the credits as well. And then there's another $40 one that has just a different one. And there is a bilingual package of $50 for, for the physical copy of Wallow in both English and Spanish. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Super cool. So I didn't tell you this. Um, I started to tell you this earlier and then I forgot. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to. I'm going to do it anyway, because uh, we got an email today uh, Mm -hmm. from um, Debbie Smith, if you remember, from Chimera Press. Their Dragons by the Yard Kickstarter is live. It went live today. Yes. So um, 29 days to go. They are at $1,199 of their $7,500. And this particular issue has Anna, Robert, and May, and the young dragon Albert fleeing Pasadena with their dragon Kalsaru and her wear of infant dragons in pursuit. So, oh my God, how oh exciting. God. Say no more. I am backing this right now as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I thought definitely that would be something our listeners would want to hear about because uh, we've interviewed Chimera Press and specifically the creators of Dragons by the Yard on our Las Baticas. If you haven't seen that episode, it is on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Comadres y Comics and you will can find a Chimera Press interview. You can pledge as little as $3 um, where you get the PDF. $3, people! To get the PDF of this issue. That's all it takes to support this project, which we cannot say enough good things about and recommend uh, enough. And the some of the higher pledges are uh, $60 called Dragon's Breath. You get a 3D <laughs> printed LED fire dragon nightlight. Oh, wow. Cool, cool, cool. That can be charged (laughs) via a USB connector and color controlled via a small remote. For $80, you can get hard copies of all the Chimera Press titles. All of the titles that this publishing company has, including Mary Shelley Presents, which we also have read and reviewed. Also, Pet Noir, we read and reviewed. So um, you definitely should check out this Kickstarter. There's tons more awesome things uh, for you to, to get. What? Oh, 
For $250, you can name Anna's grandmother. Immortalize yourself or a loved one by pledging $250 and claim this reward. You can tell us Anna's grandmother's name and the day of her birth. Aww. That's it's already gone. Oh, it's gone. <laughs> Aww. But that's really cool. That's a, such a cool. I would have liked to do that and named her my grandma's name. Aww. Aww. Okay. So anyway, check it out. We will share this link. Dragons by the Yard is one of our favorite titles, and we can't wait to read what is happening um, with the characters in this issue. Absolutely. All right, guys, it's now time for saludos. And saludando, I am today. Oh, I sounded like Yoda. I'm so, <laughs> saludando, I am today, so it sounds like Yoda. Anyway, estoy saludando ahora, hoy, to, today, I almost said it with the Spanish accent, um, the Monster Matador team, and that's uh, Steve Prince, Fabio Alves, Sam Vargas, Carlos Dermas, um, Alex Safe, Sam Vargas, like I said before, and uh, yes, I am saludando the whole team at Monster Matador. They have finally completed the third issue, which is the end of this story run. And it's and a live Kickstarter as well. So we'll be posting that link as well. Um, and there's a bunch of variant covers offered in the pledges from Fabio Alves, Sam Vargas, Carlos Dermas. They even have a go-in-the-dark print that they Ooh. have available and you can catch up on the first two issues as well in one of the pledges that you can purchase on on their kickstarter so saludos to the monster matador team as you guys remember or if you guys did not know we reviewed the first the first installment of monster matador but they they reconstructed it and it came back like a phoenix and rose from the ashes with amazing <laughs> rose artwork. from the ashes of jen's review <laughs> <laughs> and it came back strong with wonderful artwork wonderful characters great storyline so don't give up on your dream guys saludos to the master matador team thank you so much for um believing in your story that brings us to the end of this episode, guys. Where can they find us, girls? You can find us at uh, on Instagram at Comadresy Comics and on Facebook at Comic Comadres. You can find us on Twitter at Comadres y, at Comic Comadres, where you can send us a DM as well. You can email us directly at comadresycomics at gmail.com. You can also see our amazing interviews with amazing creators in the comic book industry on our YouTube channel. Just search Comadresy Comics on the search bar and we'll pop right up. Uh, thank you so much for all the people who have been rating and reviewing our podcast. We are loving reading your reviews. They're super amazing. You guys are super awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for those of you who have subscribed and liked our page on YouTube. Uh, as you guys know, you guys have been entered into a drawing to win the first two issues of Lightning Strikes with Marcus Newsom that are autographed. You have also 
entered into uh, the contest to also win a limited edition can release from Monkish for their ninth year anniversary uh, can release. So good luck to you guys. And please keep <laughs> keep on rating and reviewing us because you get to be entered into our drawing that is happening at the middle of this month. So please do that. You have a few days to go. We're, we're rooting for you. And um, I definitely <laughs> cannot wait to hear your review on monkish if you've never tried it you're in for a treat remember you have to be 21 years or older of age to win this prize thank you so much for listening and thank you thank you thank you so much remember we have a patreon which is live right now where can they find it yes so you can find us as part of the period podcast network patreon uh you can just go to patreon.com in uh, search period podcast network and if you didn't know we are part of that network which is they just created a new tagline and so they are um we are a podcast network made by she's and they's for everyone so uh this patreon is actually a a co-op a cooperative patreon with all of the podcasts contributing together and we just uh sent out our first newsletter to all of our patrons and it is full of lots of cool creative stuff we uh contributed a um a list of creators uh, of women creators in the industry that you should know jen contributed an awesome poem and there's just a lot of cool stuff so definitely check it out and you can become a patron of not only our podcast but of other amazing great podcasts as well so that's patreon.com period podcast network Yes, and actually there is uh, some back matter on uh, what we talk about behind the scenes on our podcast. Oh, yes. When, when we're supposed to not be recording, quote, unquote. We have <laughs> recorded that for you. If you guys are wondering, why haven't the Comadres talked about the Snyder Cut? Well, guys, that is on <laughs> the back matter that you can get while be- when you become a Patreon uh, supporter and get that uh, review and full, 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 full discussion of the Snyder Cut. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We have been your host. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Thanks, guys. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.